All right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. All right. We just want to welcome you to the monthly joint prayer meeting. Uh, joint prayer meeting is a prayer meeting we have uh, on the third Saturday of each month. Uh, it's open to the English-speaking community here in the Seoul area. Uh, so if you have any friends, uh, family that you know that will be interested in coming out and praying with us each month, uh, we would love to have them join us. So we meet here uh, every third Saturday, and we pray. And uh, we gather together. The vision of this prayer movement is just simply to gather God's people together to cry out for the revival of this nation. Uh, that's pretty much in a nutshell what we do each and every month. And so uh, we are just so glad to see each and every one of you out here tonight. Uh, tonight we have a special guest speaker. Uh, this uh, gentleman was uh, giving leadership to a youth ministry in the Atlanta region called Rise Up. Uh, he was running with uh, our New Philly brother Andy Un, and uh, was they were part of that ministry together. He was giving leadership to that ministry. He and his wife, uh, they're pregnant with their first child right now. Um, but right now they're in a the transition time. They'll be uh, transitioning over to the YWAM base in Hawaii. Uh, to do ministry with uh, the call to all movement. And, uh, and so he's here in Korea for a few weeks. He got to speak for us at uh, New Philadelphia's Friday Fire prayer meeting a few weeks ago. And we asked him if he would uh, want to come and speak to us here to the uh, wider body of Christ uh, at our joint prayer meeting. And uh, he enthusiastically said yes. And so uh, he's here with us tonight. Uh, let's welcome up, put our hands together for Sono Park. Come on. Man, it's an honor to be here. Uh, just to be back. You know, every time I come and hang out um, with the EM communities here in South Korea and Seoul, especially, I leave feeling so hopeful. You know, I was walking down Gangnam today with Andy and uh, Marie and my friend Victor. And I was just like, as nice and fancy as it looked, like my heart was grieved, you know, by the way they were dressed. Kind of um, these flyers for prostitution on the ground. And as I felt so hopeless, you know, just really crying out, uh, saying, God, would you bring revival again? Would you turn hearts back to you? Um, we prayed at uh, Andy's house which is a very anointed home, John and Marcus. I can see you guys bathed in prayer, really, because the moment we started praying, like the Spirit of God fell. And then I walked in here, two floors below, I just hear people just crying out for Jesus. And all of a sudden, my heart leapt with such a deep hope for the nations and for the nation of Korea. And um, thank you, Aaron, for leading us. It was, it was great. And I'm really glad that we're praying for China as well, because Korea will be a great catalyst for China. To see China go be the greatest missionary-sending nation in the world, going down the Silk Roads to, through Central Asia, back to the Middle East, back to Jerusalem. These guys are radical. Like, um, I was just with one of the heads of the underground Chinese church three months ago. And I was really interested in their training. And I was like, tell me about your training. He's like, well, for the first week, we teach the Bible 17 hours a day. And I was like, wow. I was like, what? <laughs> I know. 
was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, challenge, right? Convicted. You don't even know. Shameful even when you're looking at him. He's like the 70 year old man just smiling at me. And I was like, so what do you do your second week? He's like, uh, well, we teach our missionaries how to jump out of the third story window without hurting themselves. So when the secret police come, they won't get hurt. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, I thought the 17 hour Bible reading thing was a big deal. But he's like teaching people how to jump out this window. And, you know, I told him, I was like, oh, man, I was like, that's really practical. <laughs> yeah, so let's continue to press in for China, you know, and, and specific ties between this, Korea, uh, this nation and Korea as a catalyst for that nation. Um, yeah, when uh, Pastor Christian asked Andy, and Andy asked me to come and speak tonight, I, I said, hey, let me pray about it first. And um, as I was waiting, the Lord spoke a very significant word that I feel like needs to be released. It's from Ezekiel 37. It's the passage after the dry bones. We know about the dry bones and the revival that comes. But there's a very significant passage that I think kind of put, articulates what the Spirit of God is doing in, at this time in the nation of Korea. Uh, but before we get there, I want to share with you a, a number of significant things. And um, like I told the New Philly crew on Friday Night Fire, for me, um, when I share, I don't like to just share sermons. I'm not here to give you a couple points, you know, and uh, put a nice, neat together message. But for me, um, I want to share, always share my heart, something that I've been feeding on, something that I've been interceding for, something that I've been really putting my heart and investing in, you know, because it needs to become a part of us. Ministry is not a job. It's a lifestyle. You're either a missionary or a mission field. It doesn't matter what your profession is. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> I would like to take credit for that quote, but it's not me. <laughs> just just got to keep the integrity high, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so I feel like this is a very significant time in the nation of Korea. Uh, I think there's a three-strand three cord that, you know, is talked about in Ecclesiastes that God is forming. It's North Koreans, South Koreans, and the Korean diasporated people slash the foreigners who are coming to Korea. Because it's very significant if you look throughout Israel's history. Yeah. And there's a significant... The Lord spoke very dramatically to my wife and I to come here for two months, especially in the latter part of June, July, and then into August. Because we knew that there was some type of spiritual shift coming. We couldn't put words to it, so we're like, we got to go. And as we were talking to our other friends, they were like, something's happening in Korea, we got to get there. And then I realized, I started studying the history, and, and when I, the day I got into Seoul was uh, 625. How many of you know what Yu-Gi-Oh! is? When I was with my friend Dr. Pak, he had a significant dream the night before, and he felt like the Lord say, 625, Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm declaring war for, for the kingdom of God to continue to advance into the nation. I was like, whoo! And then 717, which is tomorrow. Do you know what that is in Korean's history? It's the anniversary of when the South Korean Constitution was written. And we all know that when revival came to this nation, they implemented Christian ethics and principles into the Constitution. You know? So not only was there revival that broke out in Pyongyang, but there was reformation that took place in a nation that brought transformation. And then 815 which is a very significant day. That's the independence of South Korea. So I feel like around that time, something is going to happen. So there's this three-strand cord that I feel like the Lord is raising up. Um, a few days, uh, or when I first got into Seoul, Victor and I, we went to Jesus Abbey. How many of you have been there before? Have you been there before? Yes, who won? All right. Tomorrow, 
you go to the train station, you buy a ticket to go to Kangwondo, and then you get there, you walk across the street to the bus station, you buy a bus ticket to go to Jesus Abbey. Go there. It's an anointed place. It's a prayer garden. Start with deep revival roots by a guy named R.A. Torrey. If you've read the book God's Generals, R.A. Torrey is one of the great revivalists in the, uh, in the first great awakening. And, and there's a rich spiritual history and revival inheritance that's there. Go there, spend some days there. It's, it'll rock you. And, and it's really cool looking too. It looks like, uh, the um like the Lord of the Rings, like the Shire. I walked in, I was like, the door was like up to here. And I was like And then the bathroom was down this like super steep staircase. And I was like, I'm not going I'm going to the bathroom before I go to sleep because I'm not walking down that thing at night. I might fall down and break my leg. But other than that and the hazards that are there, the anointing the anointing rests in that place. But as I went there with Victor, I had a very significant um divine appointment with uh, a guy you probably know, his name's Jason Ma. And as Jason was there, as uh, he was on a 40-day fast, or not 40-day fast, a 40-day kind of getting away, unplugging from life, away from his Blackberry, his iPhone, away from the internet, and just kind of re-seeking the Lord. And as he was, he started sharing about some significant things that were happening in the city called Tebek, that revolved around 24-7 prayer, and a new student volunteer missions movement that would come out of the nation. And he was just sharing, we're like, wow, this is amazing. The next day, Victor and I, we go up to the ranch. There's a ranch there. Father Tori has this dream. And in the dream, um, or, or has, a, has a dream about this land. This piece of land is very significant. Because geologists say when the rain comes and hits this land, it splits into three rivers. One goes west, one goes south, and one goes east. Right? But he had a, oh, he had a vision from the Lord. He said, and then a fourth river will come from this place. And it will go straight into North Korea. It will be the river of life. That brings life to the nation. And so as Victor and I were praying, it was a clear blue sky. We say, God, make it rain as a sign that you are sending revival to North Korea, South Korea, and to the Korean people. Ten minutes later, it just started pouring. And we were like, oh my God. Like, you know, you're not expecting, you're like declaring it in faith. You don't expect it. You know, like I want to have that faith and expect it all the time. But when it started pouring rain, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know? And then also in that prayer time, I said, Lord, flood the Han River. Because when you flood the Han River, make this as a sign as there's going to be flooding in that river that goes north. And that next day, Victor comes and he's running in, in, in uh, Seoul. And he said he ran and he took pictures of the Han River. And he's like, yo, the river's flooding, bro. He's like, the very things that we were praying for are coming true as a sign of the time, as a sign of what's going on in the nation. I was like, come on. God is doing something. And those who are rooted in the Spirit, rooted in the kingdom of God, you guys are all sensitive. We can all sense it. We sense a hope arising. We sense the boiler pot starting to rumble at the top. And you know that something is elevating in the spiritual climate of a nation. (sighs) I wish I lived here. (laughs) For real, I was telling the Lord, I was like, God, if if you weren't calling me back to Hawaii, I mean, it's a nice place too. But (laughs) if you weren't calling me back, I would come come to South Korea because I feel like, man, this is where the action is. I want to be in the middle. I want to be in the middle of it. And so, around this significant time, there was a bunch of other brothers who started having these series of prophetic dreams about one guy, uh, where they were all together, and then they were with Jason, and he jumped in the Han River, and they're like, don't jump in there, it's filthy, it's filthy, it's filthy. He's like, no, we're going to jump in here in faith as a prophetic sign that we who are clean will jump into a river, and that it will purify, and it will start to cleanse itself. And then everyone's like, okay, and then they take off their clothes, and they jump in the river, and then the river starts to change and purify. 
And I feel like that's the same for us. Like there's a scripture in Second Kings that talks about putting the salt into the riverbeds and watch it purify and irrigate the whole system of a city so that they would begin to drink the living water. This... And then another friend of ours has another prophetic dream. Uh, Danny, Danny was there. We had this dinner and we're, everyone's kind of sharing all these dreams and they're all connecting. And, and I'm sharing this experience at Jesus Abbey and we're like, where are we? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it was one of those like epic, divine, you can't explain how God's been piecing it together, but your spirit bears witness and you, have, you leave with so much hope. I can't even put it into words, but you guys know. You guys are shaking your head. You're like, I know. You know what I mean? Like that's what it's about, right? That's what it's about. So 717, tomorrow is a very significant day. I I challenge all of you to do some type of fast or to pray from tomorrow on to 815, which is the Independence Day. I really challenge you. Whatever that fast might be, consider it. There's a level of warfare over this nation that's increasing. A level of spiritual activity and uh, a climate that's starting to grow and enhance. It's almost like um, in Matthew chapter 13 about the, uh, the, the sower and the seeds. Not the first part of the chapter, but the second part. You know, when Jesus is telling a parable, he's saying once a man had a field and his enemy came and in his wheat field, he started planting weeds. The next morning, the guy goes to his master and he says, man, your enemy came here, planted weeds, and now they're growing with the wheat. What should we do? Should I pull out the weeds? He's like, no, let them grow together. The good and the bad, let it grow together. Because if you pull it out now, You're going to pull out the wheat with it, but let it grow together and let it elevate together. And then when the time comes, the reaper will come and he's going to harvest and then he'll separate the wheat from the chaff. This is what's, this is kind of a way to articulate what the Lord's doing in this time, especially in South Korea. There's elevated spiritual activity and there's a grace right now, especially for the nation to pray, to intercede, to fast. There's a grace for it. I haven't had a season like this here ever where I feel like there's so much revelation that's pouring into my heart. I don't even, I don't even have enough like, like paper to write it on. You know what I mean? Like, cause there's so much that's coming in. I feel like there's a grace to pray and to intercede. Take advantage of it. Cause these windows, I mean, of course there's always grace to pray, but there's certain windows of acceleration that God has and that he offers his people to continue to partner with him. Cause this is his heart. And so I had a wake up call about the level of warfare where life and death are literally in the mix. Last week, um, the Korean diaspora what conference was going on in Onuri. You guys are familiar with it. Um, a, good, uh, a friend of ours brought two young people with him. One, oh, one guy um, was a missionary. The other was a, um, a, a college student. And um, we meet this young guy. His name's Daniel. And um, he seemed like a normal kid. Our, our other friend had uh, dinner with him. The next day after we introduce ourselves to him, kind of hang out, talk for a little bit or whatever, uh, the next day we find out that he committed suicide. So he had been wrestling for a while. And um, when, that night he, go, he went to his parents' house. And uh, he, his parents said, this is so strange. He came and he actually prayed with us and blessed us. We don't know how to explain it, but it wasn't normal. And then after that, he couldn't sleep. So he's like, I'm going to go outside, mom, take a walk. And she was like, she had some red flags because she knew that he had some suicidal tendencies. But she said, there was nothing she could really do. Thanks. I got one. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Get that root of rejection on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Appreciate it, John. And, and she said she couldn't do anything but just pray and intercede for him. That night he left. He couldn't fall asleep. And as she's praying and interceding, she hears a thud. And she's like, what was that? She goes to her balcony and she starts seeing people surrounding her. And at that moment, she realized it was her son. The reason I tell you this is that that day when we found out, literally lives are in the balance in this time. The level of warfare is not just little oppression here, little depression there, but it's leading to suicide. It's leading to other kinds of immorality. It's leading to sleeping with prostitutes. It's leading to divorce. It's leading to abortion. This nation, what seems like Christian and nice on the outside, is rotten in the inside. We know this. I think the people who walk down the street who dress up and wear lots of makeup and have the nicest clothes and the Louis Vuitton bag but yet are depressed on the inside is a prophetic kind of symbol of the nation. And we need to grow in the revelation and the understanding of what God's doing and the amount of warfare that's going. Because all of us play a very significant role in what God is doing right now. Life and death are in the mix. And there's a strong spirit of death that looms over this nation because there's been so many agreements made with it, right? There's so many suicides. Even the president of, the, of Korea at one point in time committed suicide. He's the highest man of authority. And imagine the door that opened up. He had plastic surgery too. Imagine the door that that opened up to that spirit, to that principality that rested over a nation. And then you have all these other people who are having abortions, all these other people. And then there's a spirit of death that comes. And we know that death is the full manifestation of what? Is of sin. The interesting thing is, I believe God wants to bring the same revival that he brought to Pyongyang in 1907. And the interesting thing about that revival was this, was that it wasn't necessarily all signs and wonders that were recorded, but it was mass repentance, mass salvation. And the greatest way to counter warfare over a nation is actually not just praying against it in warfare and in adoration. Don't get me wrong, that's a great supplement. But actually the best way to counteract this warfare, this demonic oppression, is mass salvation. Because you're cutting off agreements with the enemy and you're turning them to the Lord. That's why I think the Lord wants to release this similar and same kind of revival again. To cancel the assignment of the spirit of death. To cancel all this depression through the Father's love. To cancel the spirit of abortion through the spirit of adoption and sonship and daughtership. This is what the Lord wants to do. And it's us to live prophetically into this time to counterbalance and to counteract these attacks over this nation. You guys even sitting here are a sign of hope. And I think your lives are more prophetic than you might think. That even the articulation of what God's doing in your own life personally, you're starting to see that all of you guys are on similar pages, right? It's kind of interesting. It's because we start to become the message. Just as Jesus became the Word. And the Word was so tightly wrapped up into who He was. And the Spirit of God, the full Spirit of the living God, dwelled inside of His human frame. And He was the prophecy. In the same way, we become this. Last week I was praying And the Lord spoke to me uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 We all know this verse right 
And I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, I see this on the IHOP web stream all the time. You know, like the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. I was like, oh, yeah, thanks, God. This is really encouraging, you know. But it was kind of like, I know this first, you know. And the Lord's like, no, you don't. And I was like, oh. He's like, don't ever look at my word like you've got it all figured out. There's depth to plunge, right? So I was like, okay. So I read it again. It said, may, may the uh, glorious, or may the, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I was like, okay. And then he highlighted the, how all three portions of the Trinity were there. I was like, okay. And he's like, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives the revelation, right? And then I was thinking, I was like praying, and I was like, oh, this is like what St. Augustine said. So if you look at the Trinity, the way he explains the Holy Spirit is this. If the Father was the giver of love, and the Son is the receiver and the object of his affection. Like, it's like a marriage, right? There's a husband, there's a wife. Then the Holy Spirit would be the energy of love that is in between them. And it's actually the Holy Spirit that sucks you up into the loving revelation of what's going on between the Son and the Father. I was like, St. Augustine was the man, right? John 15, verse 9 says, the same way that the Father has loved the Son, so the Son has loved us. Now remain in my love. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, why are you speaking this message to me, Lord? So that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened to know me better. And I was like, who are you, Lord? The essence of who God is, is love. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what does this mean? He's like, start praying the Father's love over a nation. And I was like, why the Father's love? Because he's like, it's a revelation of my love. Not just my righteousness, my holiness, my justice. But it's a revelation of my love and kindness that leads them to repentance. To pour out and to pray into the Father's love so that there would be, that would be the main catalyst for revival and a repentance in a nation that would then begin to counteract this thing. I was like, oh God, I will pray for the Father's love. And as good as the Father is, he gave me a smidgen of it. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you love me. <laughs> it's important that we grow in the Father's love as well. All right, so if you have your Bible, let's go to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, verse 15 through 23. This verse, when the Lord spoke to me the day um, Christian and Andy asked me to come here, it actually came through my wife. For those of you who are married, husbands, your wife, listen to your wife, because they, I think her prophetic radar is, I don't, no, I don't think, I know her prophetic radar is a lot sharper than mine. I was, I was making jokes today at dinner, like, there's so many times where she feels like, I, look, I think the Lord's saying this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but in my heart, I'm like, that's not the Lord. You know? <laughs> and then, like, I got to eat humble pie, like, two weeks later, because she caught it, like, two weeks before it even started to resonate in my spirit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Before it even started to resonate, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. There's so many times when the Lord's, like, crucified my pride through my wife. It's so good. It's so good. And for those of you who are getting married, when I was getting married, like, I asked every single person for marriage advice, you know? Before, I was like, I need to get trained. I need to understand what it means to get married, you know? And so every person I asked, and then I asked this pastor one time, I'm like, hey, pastor, can you give me some marriage advice? He's like, man, if you want to serve the Lord, be single. And I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? And then he goes, but if you want to be uh, sanctified like Christ, you get married. And I'm like, I don't know if I like the sound of that. (laughs) And Lord, for us married men, 
you know it, you know it. <laughs> smiling, bro. You know it, but man, it's the most beautiful process. It's, it's painful too, but I guess it's beautiful like the cross. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's beautiful, but it's painful. <laughs> I don't know how I got on this tangent. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> So my wife drops this bomb on me, and she's just like, what do you think about this word? And I was like, oh. And I was reminded of the three-strand chord, right? And God's calling forth a strong Psalm 133 kind of unity for the North Koreans, South Koreans, and Korean diasporated slash foreigners to live into. He's asking them that as they live into true unity through humility, through patience, through honor that it would be like Psalm 133, where it's the oil of Aaron's beard, the anointing that starts to drip, drip, drip upon a nation. And that the Spirit of God would begin to do His thing because we're in oneness and in one accord. And I was like, okay. And then, as I, and as I was thinking about this three-strand accord, you see it all wrapped together, right? But then I had like a, a, a mental image of a nuclear bomb, right? The interesting thing about a nuclear bomb is that the president doesn't just push a button and then it launches. It's not like Dr. Evil, you know, in, in Austin Powers when he just has one button to push and it shoots out. But there's multiple keys that have to go in, right? Multiple codes that have to align. And because it's so powerful, there needs to be a full agreement between every party before this decision takes place. And this is the same way that I feel like the Lord is going to release the full catalyst for the nation of China through Korea. The full revival for our nation is going to be an honoring of one another. And we're you're all together, you're going to be like in one accord, one spirit, likeness. Let's turn at the same time. Are you guys ready? Because I believe this is the time in the spirit that the Lord is building the nuclear bomb. You know, like... You don't hear when people are building nuclear bombs, right? It's just kind of like they're in the dark places in the closet. And in the closet, they're putting all the wires together, plutonium in. And I'm not an engineer or scientist, so I don't know what else goes in there. But it's in the quiet place that they start to build this bomb. And the moment that they start to boop, 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 in agreement, it launches this incredible task force. There's this force, this wave of energy and power and raw explosion that just demolishes nations. I feel like that's what God's releasing in the spirit over Korea. But it's going to take these three to work together in this way. Do you believe it? I feel a major shift also over this nation is coming because of this diaspora conference. Honestly, I went and I wasn't super thrilled, right? It was, it was, they were honoring, they were, they were honoring a lot of those fathers who have gone before us, which is great. We would not be here if we, if it wasn't for them. Um, but it was more like the first time they did it and, you know, like they were, they were brought all these diaspora from around the world and it was good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, me, I'm like, fire, fire. And then the Lord's showing me how immature I am. And he's like, you have no idea of the wisdom of the Lord and what I'm doing through this. And I had to repent. But they brought in all these diasporated people from all over the world. Those who went to China um, over 100 years ago. You know, I was complaining, why is my conference fee so much? And then, you know, like, and I found out it's actually helping to pay for them. And I was like, oh, I had to repent again. <laughs> No, because really, like, the Lord rebukes me. I mean, if you spend a lot of time in His presence and His Word, you get rebuked a lot. With, with love, though, you know? Because, like, you know, Hebrews 12 says, if He doesn't rebuke you and you don't live into it, you know what I mean? Like, then you're an illegitimate son. I don't want to be an illegitimate son. I want to be His son, you know? So I was like, I'm going to receive it because I trust that it's good for me. 
Like, eat your vitamin. Uh, my, you know, my, my wife, she used to... I'll just tell the story. My wife, she used to take Flintstone vitamins as a kid, and she would hide them under this couch, you know? Like, and, and one day her mom was moving, and there was like hundreds of these Flintstone vitamins. Like, on the couch. <laughs> So I like to have a lot of fun while I'm up here. Um, but back to the word. So there's this nuclear uh, keys, you know, a like-hearted, like-mindedness that God is doing, that he's turning. And it's going to come through all of us working together. But this diaspora conference was opening up something for a nation. They brought in, they brought in these Korean diaspora people who had been in Mexico for, what, four generations, four or five generations. They didn't speak a lick of Korean. They looked... Mexican, it was amazing. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was amazing. But yet, like, they were there and they could track their ancestral roots. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is really profound, God, what you're doing. And diasporated people slash the combination of foreigners is God's, I think, one of his end time strategies. Because they become like the Moseses, marginalized between cult, two cultures. You know, he was born in Israel, but he grew up in the economic powerhouse of Egypt. And then in that place between live, marginal, being marginalized, just culturally, he was growing some type of leadership. That's why it's so significant for all of you guys to be back in Korea, too. Because you don't feel like you're in America. It's challenging. It's tough. It, it, it creates this different perseverance inside of you. It creates a humility when you can't order your food the way that you would at the restaurant. At, and, you know, like, <laughs> Mark is like, Ew. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! They probably brought you some crazy stuff on accident, huh? <laughs> and, and, and there's like a different thing that takes place in, in these marginalized people. You can see that in Daniel, Esther, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Even Jesus was a desperate person. So this is a part of God's end time strategy. And He was gathering them from all over the world. So this is key. And God's doing something great. And there was a shift through this conference. They came from all over. 176 nations Koreans are in. My wife and I, we've been to 50 plus countries with the gospel. And uh, every place we've gone, there's a Korean church and a Korean restaurant. There's like a Korean Bible and like a Korean like kimchi cooler. And I'm like, how did you get here? Like nations like Tonga or Vanuatu. Places maybe you never even heard of. They're there. You know what I mean? And, and it's a part of God's end time strategy. I really believe it. I really believe it. So let's jump into the word. Ezekiel 37, uh, verse 15 um, through 23. And when I read it, you're going to know exactly why the Lord spoke this verse. The, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, Ephraim stick, belonging to Joseph and all the house of Israel associated with him. Join them together into one stick so that they will become one in your hand. When your countrymen ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to take the stick of Joseph, which is Ephraim's hand, and of the Israelite tribes associated with him, and join it to Judah's stick, making them a single stick of wood, and they will become one in my hand. Hold before their eyes the sticks you have written on. And then this verse 21 has something to do with all of us. And say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Then I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone out of the nations where they've been scattered, and I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their land. 
into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them. And they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. For I will save them from all their sinful backsliding and I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. There's so many parallels between Korea and Israel. And I don't want to get into all of them. And I'm not saying Korea is this better nation than the rest. But there is a God's, God's sovereign wisdom. And he uses often the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And that's why he probably took a nation that was conquered more than 900 times. To be on the forefront of his missions. And the forefront of what he's doing. I think there's so much more to it than that. I don't understand all the layers of revelation of who God is and why he does certain things. But the little smidgens that he does release I understand. But this is what he's doing. Judah, the northern kingdom. Israel, the southern kingdom. He's saying, take two pieces, two sticks. Bring them together, tie them together. This is a prophetic act that they're going to be one. Prophetic act that they're going to be one. And then on top of that, take all the Israelites who are scattered in the nations. Bring them back to their homeland. See, he knew that these three things were the launch combination for Israel. He knew that these three things that... that that it wasn't just a key that opened the lock, but it was a combo that needed to be put into place, right? God's sovereign understanding, understand, there needs to be this kind of agreement together in one to make this thing happen. I want to ask you guys a question too. And in this time when you're going to be praying and fasting till you know, August 15th, I'm going to say it in faith, prayer, fasting, August 15th, that God will begin to ask you why he has brought you back here. I can look at all of your eyes and see, and the stories that I have heard from the church, I see that God had a divine and very sovereign plan, actually. It was almost like you stumbled into it, right? And I feel like God's bringing the cream of the crop back. The cream of the crop. I really believe that. Back to his purposes. Andy was like, we we ran together, we pioneered a bunch of stuff in Atlanta, and then when he told me he was going to leave, I was like... Oh, dang. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yet something, and then I had to repent again. And then I realized like, because so, the Lord spoke to me out of Psalm 24. He's like, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All the people in it belong to him. It doesn't belong to you. And so who am I to control what God has for his life? And so it released him. And then I realized, wow, Andy went to South Korea as a Korean diaspora person. He, he's growing into their history, their culture. He has a burning heart for North Korea. Wow, this is so great. And I was like, man, his heart for North Korea burns more than even some South Koreans that I've met. And I was like, man, he's calling so unique. And then I met Victor. And I'm like, how did you get here? He's like, yeah, and the Lord called me. It was amazing. I stumbled into this. He's like, I had a huge heart for North Korea too. I'm like, really? <laughs> and then all oh, you guys... I, have a heart for North Korea. That's why you're here. You're praying for North Korea. And you can see that it's something that the Lord has deposited in you and you're bringing it back. It's so much bigger than I think you know, than like, oh, I graduated college. I don't know where to go from here. I have a college degree. I didn't really want one, but you know, I'm Korean or, you know, so I should get one. And then I'm going to go and teach Hagwon. You know, I can make some good money. You know, I'll party. I'll drink for a little bit. And you know, we'll see where my life ends up. And then you're like, Get, go to New Philly, get blasted on your knees crying, then you get delivered, and now you're like, I want to be sold out, I want to be on missions, God, I want to go and die in the Middle East. And then I'm like, you see, the, God loves to set us up. Yeah. 
Jehovah Sneaky. For real, man. He's just like, he sets us up and he puts us in there. And we were like, whoa, like how did I even, how did I end up there? Because God's sovereign and divine wisdom is so much higher. His ways are so much higher than our own, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth. Ask yourself, as you fast 40 days from now until 8.15, that... <laughs> Why is it that the Lord brought me here? Let's go to Isaiah um, 56, verse 8. No, Isaiah... Let me see. Isaiah 58, verse 6. Sorry, 56, verse 8. <laughs> Isaiah 56, verse 8. Sorry. Just making sure you can count. Isaiah 56, verse 8. And as I was praying, I was like, God, what else, what else are you doing? And the Lord started to share. He's like, I'm bringing foreigners to Korea too. And he reminded me of Israel's history. And he gave me the scripture. It says, the sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will, also, I will also gather still others to them. And besides those who have already gathered. So it's not just the, the Korean diaspora that he's bringing back, but he's bringing back foreigners. And you often wonder, you're like, how did I get here? And then you end up at this North Korean prayer meeting surrounded by all these Korean Americans and Korean desperate people. And you feel a sense of purpose and you see and you're starting to realize what God's doing in your life. It's so much bigger than all of us. Meditate on this word. I really feel like it's divine and sovereign that articulates the time that we live in for this nation. And I feel like... Our time even is limited. I mean, of course, God is outside of time. But we know, I feel like there's a special grace to pray for the reunification of not only North Korea, South Korea, but also the Korean diaspora slash the foreigners that the Lord's bringing back. That God would begin to work on a micro level and it would turn into a macro move of the Lord. He, he wants to do it. And He's already doing it. He's positioned us to do it. He's given us the favor to do it. The favor, like uh, Pastor Aaron was saying, that we get to go into the throne room and we can look the king in the face. And call him Abba. Enter the throne room of grace with boldness and confidence, says Hebrews 4. We can put our prayers and petitions in there. No longer are we yelling from outside the castle walls, thinking that God might hear us, but he actually invited us into the throne room. Not only to gaze upon us in beauty, but actually is interested to listen to what we have to say. We live in a very special time. And I want to stop talking because I want to do something powerful. I want to pray. I could talk. I could tell you more vitamin stories. But what I want to do is I want to pray. I want to shift the heavens. I want to live into this grace. I feel like there's two major points that God wants us to press in for. The first is that there will be a great revelation of the Father's love before anything else. All the non-believers at our workplace, all the ones that we bump into around the world, they don't need rebuke. They need the tender mercy and tender compassion of the Lord. All the Muslims that the Lord's bringing here, we don't need to get in warfare stance with them thinking, oh, Koreans aren't having as many children, but they're multiplying like crazy. We need to do something about it. There's a simple, there is truth to that. But what God wants us to do more than that is to embrace them, to love them, to befriend them, to care for them. Because they too are immigrants in a nation and we know how hard it was for our parents. 
And they are also huge, desperated people that need the love of the Lord. The Father's love, a revelation of the Father's love that comes through the Holy Spirit, that He would suck us into the dialogue between the Father and the Son. And then the second, uh, what I want to pray for is um, the unification of the three-strand cord. We know that it's hard with cultural barriers. And I actually want you guys to cry out and ask the Lord, bring me a couple of South Korean friends. Give me some North Korean refugee people who are here that I can befriend. I know it's a little inconvenient. Korea has a busy schedule. You know, it's pali, pali, pali. And then, you know, it's even hard to get a coffee date with your friend to just kind of get recharged and refuge in the presence of the conversation that exists there. But God is saying, it's time to get a little more inconvenient. It's time to really embrace those and to believe that, that I'm living more into my mission specifically. And by the way that everyone's looking, I can sense that God's stirring it in your heart already. So even ask the Lord that He would bring some. I want to ask Andy to come up. Um, I just want to go into a time of intercession. Um, more than ministry, more than that, I just want to intercede. I want to pray. I want to pray. And I asked Brother Andy to uh, help lead our time. Because I feel like these things are there, but the Holy Spirit's going to start speaking. And he's going to start highlighting certain things, areas in your life, specifics that's going on. To know how to pray for this move of Ezekiel 37 to take place. So let's just kind of wait on the Lord. And then we'll just go into time of intercession. Father, we just wait upon you. We just meditate on your goodness. Thank you, Father, that you've brought us into uh, the throne room of God, not from the castle walls, but into the courts of the Lord to put in our prayers and petitions. Thank you, Jesus, that the simple truth of Jeremiah 29, 11, that you have a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan to give us hope in a future that we've literally stumbled into our destiny here in Korea. God, we just meditate on your goodness and we remember your sovereign plan over our life and how your sovereign leadership is loving, trustworthy. God, and we can follow you wherever you go because you are good and you only have the best for us, God, and the best for the world through us, Lord. We just meditate on your goodness, Jesus. But Father, we want to pray. We want to pray like it all depends on you, but live like it all depends on us. But we want to pray, God, and intercede, Lord. Come and teach us how to pray, Jesus. Not just normal prayer, but the prayers of Gethsemane. That you asked the disciples, your even most favorite ones. You said, who will wait with me? Who will stay awake? Who will wake up early? Who will stay awake with me to pray in the most critical hour? Who will be there to say, Lord, I want to intercede and I want to be a part of this thing that's going to take place on the cross. Who will be there? Which one of us will stay awake? to live into the inconvenience of continuing to intercede for a nation because we see the larger implications and the destiny of a nation through our prayers. Who will do it? Take us to the wine press, Lord, of the Gethsemane, Lord Jesus. Release the spirit of prayer in Jesus' name. Release the spirit of prayer in Jesus' name.